people what they want to see. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Philly Experience Podcast. My name is Max Gretzel, joined by Tyre Hood and Tarango Martin, fresh off vacation. I got to ask him real fast before we get into these topics how it was. I hope he enjoyed it, considering, you know, I know he had a trip to Milwaukee, went out to the Midwest, yeah. of course, Florida. So he's been getting he's been getting around uh, around the country this Woo! summer. So I hope he's doing it. I'll tell you what, gas is expensive, and especially when you're going throughout the whole country, it really uh, tallies up. But uh, we know it's hard, and I suggest to anyone who has the means to um, to go out there and, and go wherever you want to. Um, it, you know, either this summer during school, but um, when you're older, you're going to regret not taking those chances and um, being able to go to Milwaukee, um, where those NBA champions are. Um, that was interesting, totally different scene than what we have down here in Philadelphia, but all around it, it was a great time, but I'm happy to be back here with you guys. Oh, so sweet. definitely a ton to get to and, and again, I'm laying on a beach, not having to deal with Philadelphia sports for, you know, a few weeks there, or at least a week. Uh, I'm sure it definitely was able to clear your head, not having to turn a TV on and watch the Phillies blow a lead late. However, they've been, <laughs> they've been, you know, treading water as we approach this trade deadline. And of course we're going to get into the Phillies very shortly, but I definitely want to open up with the Eagles today, just based because training camps obviously starting up this week and it's coming up fast uh, preseason. Of course, the first one uh, Steelers Cowboys coming up very, very soon. And then the Eagles, of course, uh, August 12th will open up their preseason. But I, I just want to open up the floor here and talk, talk about the Eagles. Of course, you had the Jalen Hurts talk throughout the offseason. You had the Deshaun Watson rumors that continue to swirl, um, you know, with his off-the-field issues and things like that. And then you have, you know, Landon Dickerson finally signing. We talked about Jaquette for weeks on this show about him possibly starting at the cornerback two position. At least yes. I did. And then we bring in Steven Nelson from Pittsburgh, who was able to start all 16 games last year. So a few Eagles notes to get to. A lot of, of unknowns still, and I think that's one thing we can all agree with. Um, you know, given our predictions as much as we can with the schedule and whatnot. But at the end of the day, until we see this team on the field, we got to, you know, at least reserve our judgment to what our opinions are, our thoughts are on this team until we actually see some play on the field, at least even in training camp, not even preseason. So when you, when we talk about Steven Nelson, of course, and a guy that had two interceptions last year, but more of a veteran presence, the contract wasn't horrible. I think he's getting paid $4 million over this one year contract. So a guy that can just, you know, come in and be a plug and play for us, kind of hold down that secondary, which all of a sudden looks like, you know, not our one major weakness on this team anymore. Oh boy. Well, okay. I know everybody's excited about Steven Nelson. I, I completely understand it. And you know what? It Am I a little bit more comfortable going to sleep at night, knowing that we actually have a second outside cornerback on this team? Yes. I can finally relax. I can finally just, you know, breathe a little bit and not have to worry about a slot corner playing in outside corner position. I'm, I'm comfortable with that. However, let's not get everything twisted. All right, let, let's let let's put everything out on the table. I'm not saying Steven Nelson isn't an upgrade over what we have because he is. My issue is this. Steven Nelson, it, he's okay. Just remember that, people. He's not he, he's not the world beater that we we all made him out made him out to be. He's not. All right, he he's an average corner at best, but he will get the job done. So I'm comfortable with that. The reason why I'm saying all this, I did some more tape. 
All right, I ain't got nothing else to do to prepare for the football season, but look at some tape. So I looked at some. I looked at the Pittsburgh Steelers Philadelphia Eagles game. As a matter of fact, that man. Look, I, and I hate to admit this, but Stephen Nelson was getting cooked by John Hightower in terms of John Hightower's route running ability and his ability to get open. So all that being said. You know, Steven Nelson is going to be able to get the job done and we can kind of sleep a little easy. But at the same time, he's not a world beater by any means necessary. So this 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 just let's see how this season goes. But um, I would still keep looking for another outside corner. That's just me personally. Right. T, it's hard to see the bad in, in this movement, Max, because now Steven Nelson, he's 28 years old, 5'11". Um, but this bolsters up the secondary, a need for this team that we've known since the draft and before that even uh, because of the games that we've seen uh, over the past season, how how much of a weakness the secondary was for the Eagles. That locks up the quarterback, the cornerback two position um, definitely was needed. And T, you mentioned Maddox. Now he goes back to nickel and his position. Now it's a contract year for him. So that gives him the opportunity to play better um, and, and really prove himself and get that money. And then you have now the secondary was Slay at um, cornerback one, Nelson cornerback two on the sides. And then you have Vontae at nickel, Harris and McLeod at safety. It's pretty impressive. But now what I've been seeing is people saying that the Eagles now have the best secondary and the NFL, one of the best. And I think, Max, you said it earlier, why don't we wait until the season starts to really to really say that or um, really speak upon that? Because you have other teams like the Rams, Packers, Steelers, Colts, Ravens, Bucks, who are teams with very strong secondaries. And now you have teams like the, the, the Broncos, the Browns, and the Bills who have improved and due to pickups, uh, either free agency, improvement, draft, um, that are just going to be better at secondary, on paper at least. But again, we're going to have to wait and see um, how this secondary really holds up against this NFC East that has a lot of wide receiver, good wide receivers in it. But now, now if this secondary, if the secondary holds up well, we as Eagles fans know that there's going to be another problem uh, unsurfaced. And you have guys that are on one-year contracts trying to prove themselves. So hopefully that's a benefit because this offseason, there's been a lot of guys on one-year contracts. You have Ryan Kerrigan now on defense, who's, what, 33 years old? He's looking to show that he can still play. And on offense, you have uh, Karrion Johnson, I believe that was a one-year contract as well. Um, and the running backs are – it's deep in depth. So they're going to have to filter through that and figure it out. But back to Steven Nelson and the, and the cornerback pickup, a top free agent's uh, pickup. But we're going to have to wait and see how it turns out. But I don't I, – it's hard. I labeled the, the bad how we're sort of assuming that this team is just going to get right back together. But on terms of the pickup, I really see nothing wrong with it. So, yeah, I was going to ask you this question about who we cut in, you know, in the move to bring in Steven Nelson. Was it Willie Henry? Do you know off the top of your head? Not off the top of my head, but it was probably know, it was probably a camp body. If I had to take a wild guess, it, I would have. I know to it was a look, defensive look. tackle. I just I'm trying to 
look up who it was here, but I think it was a D tackle. Uh, from what I've researched about Steven Nelson, uh, he was the highest paid cornerback or not, not cornerback, highest paid player coming in uh, when they, he, when he signed and re-upped with the Steelers there, I think in 2019. So obviously his, you know, his track record, at least in that 2019 season was big enough to get him a big time contract, a huge contract. He came into 2020 and didn't have the best season. His play on the field wasn't as good clearly as it was in 2019, but the only reason he was cut was because of cap issues. If the Steelers were able to manage their cap a little bit better, um, he wouldn't have been cut or released. And he has, uh, or he lacks ball skills, I should say, from what I've read. Okay, he only was, had two interceptions last year. It was Willie. It was Willie Henry. That Willie Henry. Okay, I thought, that's what I thought. But he has he has weak ball skills. Um, he's not a guy that's going to go out there and be a ball hawk and intercept a bunch of plays. But he's got a veteran presence. He's good in man coverage, and he can play the outside very well. So the goal here, of course, for the Eagles is one thing they couldn't do last year was stop the bleeding. And hopefully he's going to be that guy that can come in here and really stop the bleeding when things get tough. I think one of the things I like about him, not only his size being a 5'11", 6 foot, being playing on the outside, um, but a guy that's going to come in here um, and be able to you know, kill two birds with one stone and be able to move Ante Maddox back to the slot corner. And that's the thing, like, once again, as everybody's alluding to, you know, finally we can stop putting slot guys on the outside. Like, that's just, that's infuriating to me. And it's still infuriating to me because let's be honest here. Yes, we have Darius Slay and Steven Nelson now on the squad and those are our outside corners, but God forbid they get hurt. Now we still have, we still have a bunch of slot guys and a Michael Jaquette who for real, for real, eh, eh, you, y'all, well, we all have a certain way how we feel about, all right, Michael Jaquette, let's be honest here. But uh, we just have a bunch of slot corners, and that bothers me. It really does. Also, to, it says that he struggled against he struggled in zone coverage, which the Steelers run a decent amount of, but he's very good in man coverage. So, so we'll that, see if that's what the Eagles plan to do, maybe a little bit. That, again, that's kind of what we allude to when we talk about the unknowns, like what kind of defense uh, are the Eagles going to have in 2021? So, so now are we going to play a lot of man coverage? We, if you play a lot of man coverage, that means that your safeties are going to have to really be on point. So, you know, that, which is where the Anthony Harris signing comes into play. Another one year contract, which you're, he's really one year removed from, from having a hell of a season. So the, you're really trying to, you know, put your bets on these guys and it's, it's a hell of a bet. I'm going to put that out there. It's a hell of a bet. But once again, you know, back to my whole gripe, you still have a bunch of slot corners. It's still an issue. Yes. Cool. You have Maddox finally moving back to his natural slot position, but we, God forbid those outside guys go down, you know, who else are you going to put on the outside? Like that's still an issue for me. Like I still think that they need to find some more people some able bodies just in case, you know, injuries happen in this game. So start looking for some other outside guys. Start looking at other training camps. Start looking at other, you know, rosters. You know, start scouting because the reality is it, it, you still need some more outside corners. You have a whole bunch yeah. of slot guys. Well, T, the reality is that the, the Eagles are most likely going to find those backup guys either working at Target or serving food at McDonald's because that's usually the, the theme of the Eagles seasons going into the stretch uh, when they really that's need them the most. True. But going back to Harris and these one-year deals, again, you have now, of course, Howie Roseman, he, he drafted Devontae Smith. You have him picking up guys like Anthony Harris, 
and Steven Nelson on cheap one-year deals a year removed from having a great season for them, picked them up after having a little bit of a down season, uh, secured them on this Eagles team. Now, is Howie Roseman bouncing back, or can he not be forgotten for the way that he he's treated this team the last few whoa, seasons? Whoa, 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 bouncing back. Wait a minute. I, I, I ain't giving him that much dog on credit. All right, if he is somehow in some way able to recover from the mess that was created from the Carson Wentz saga, okay, then, yeah, okay. Maybe I'll give him a little bit more credit than, than I have in the past. But to say that he's bounced back just from these couple of moves, absolutely not. I'm not giving him that much credit. Is he in the process of bouncing back now? He has Obviously, he hasn't bounced back yet. But do you see a, a little hint of maybe Howie Roseman is fixing his mistakes and improving this team for the better? I mean, I see it. He's trying. I like the fact that we have three first-round picks. Hopefully, we keep them so we can build on this team some more. But... I like what he's doing so far. It's just, I'm just not ready to like, you know, give my stamp of approval for Howie. Not yet. Uh, I think he's probably bouncing back a little bit. I I do like his draft class when you take, you know, after the months have gone by and you take a step back and I kind of look at the board. I think one thing that I like about this team this year, hopefully uh, is that they have depth more often than they did last year. I think the defensive line is going to have some depth with it. I'm looking at names here. You obviously have, um, Teron Jackson, who was a six or seven round pick out of TCU. I think he's got some upside to him for being a later round draft pick. He'll be in a rotation. He's not going to be a starting or anything like that, but he's a depth body um, and guy with some upside that I think has a high motor. Milton Williams, of course, the third round pick has a D tackle position to back up, you know, Hargrave and Fletcher Cox and obviously bringing in Ryan Kerrigan for more depth and veteran presence uh, to go along with Brandon Graham. So I really kind of do like our defensive line, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. Obviously, Eric Wilson addressing the linebacker position. At least it's, he brought in a name that has some better or some experience. I'm like, I guess, I guess you can call him a veteran, but yeah. I mean, he's he's not going to be a world beater, but a guy he can bring in there and at least have a body and not just rely on um, guys that you've really never heard of last year because that's a lot of the time that w- what you heard or what you've seen on the field were guys that you didn't really recognize. And him along with Alex Singleton, who had a, had a good year for what the team was last year. I know he was. Uh, a good tackler and a guy that I really thought um, tackled well, o- only because you see a lot of the times these days where people just want to hit guys, of course, and not wrap and tackle. And, you know, he's kind of one of those guys that has the fundamentals of really be able to wrap a guy and tackle him and not let him get, you know, extra yards down the field for first down or whatever it may be. And I, he, right. And for Howie Roseman, not only is he adding players and, and talent, he's adding cap space and uh, two first round picks he added as well. So it's not just the players, but he all around, he's doing something for this team. And I do. I, I do like that. And it's I don't care, you know, how good you are of a general, how good of a general manager you are. I, I don't care if you had to go through what you had to go through in terms of your franchise quarterback, just completely wanting out and just completely, you know, just just messing up the projection of your team and having to trade away a franchise quarterback, period. It's not easy to recover from, so I will give him that much credit because it's still it's not easy. It's not going to be easy moving on from Carson Wentz. It's not all right, but I will give him credit where credit is due. He's still trying to keep this team at least competitive in this NFC East because, as we've seen from past seasons, you really don't know what what could happen because on paper the NFC East looks dominant. But let's be honest here. We know how these games play out. We were the NFC least last year. Nobody wanted to come out of the division last year. Let's be honest here. 
The Washington football right. team just all of a sudden said, took an opportunity. Honestly, we gave them the team. We gave them the division, really. We really did. The, the, the Giants bitched and complained. We're not going to talk about that right now. But, <laughs> yeah, we never know how this division is going to play out. So I appreciate the fact that he's still trying to keep this team competitive. And you know what? I, I will give him that much credit. And, yeah, he is on the come up, but I'm I'm not ready to give my stamp of approval. Not yet. Let me introduce this to you guys. Say Howie Roseman, because obviously I don't think he's pleased with how Jalen Hurts is the starting quarterback for the Eagles, because you go back where he was trying to trade up for a quarterback in this year's in this uh, past draft. Mm -hmm. Now, say Howie Roseman swings a deal, gets rid of those three first rounders, picks up the Sean Watson. Are you back on the Howie train or would you still have to see how this team pans out or just from that trade alone are you is all forgiven no I'm not back on the Howie train as a matter of fact he he he's on my shit list to, to say the least I fair, don't, fair I enough don't, I don't want Deshaun Watson and I'm you know just forget about the accusations forget about what's going through legally forget about all that let's just put that off to the side for a hot minute all right you have two first round picks which is rare the potential of three first round picks in this upcoming draft. The last thing that you want to do is screw that up. Don't get me wrong. Deshaun Watson is a hell of a talent and he would instantly improve this team because we're talking about a quarterback who constantly would get his ass kicked by, for lack of a better term, his offensive line who were supposed to, who were paid to protect him, but really didn't do a damn thing for him. And for real, for real, didn't really have a run game, only had one good receiver, all right, and, and DeAndre Hopkins, and he still throws for over 5,000 yards. That's a, that's impressive. That's a hell of a year. Not to mention the fact that Deshaun Watson didn't really have a defense for real, for real this past season. So that's impressive. The fact that he still stood withstood all of that and still threw for over 5,000 yards. That's impressive. Deshaun Watson right, you is a franchise changer. But you would have Deshaun Watson coming into the Eagles organization with the same problems, basically, with that offensive line that's inconsistent at times. And then say he, because this trade, that would lock up Deshaun Watson to a team that he goes to for more than, I would say, 10 years. Because when a team gets to Sean Watson, they're going to want to lock him up. They're going to want to lock him up fast. And I'm not. And going back to these, the uh, the allegations and everything, that's still in the process of, of being figured out. And but teams are still going to be in on yeah, Sean no Watson. Yeah, no doubt. But but, also, but but also not to interrupt you, but also the issues that we have can be fixed with these first round picks. So you're fixing one issue by trying to put band-aids on three or four different other issues. You can't do that. You, you just can't do that. Build through the draft, all right? You have a potential to draft three top 32 players in this draft. Do not trade those assets away. I agree. I don't think Deshaun Watson should become a Philadelphia Eagle. I hope how he doesn't do that. In fact, I'm looking more uh, – I, I, I said the word depth from a defensive end, defensive tackle, and linebacker standpoint, but – Bringing in Anthony Harris at the safety position, hopefully Rodney McLeod's able to get healthy with that knee injury that he suffered last season. Andrew Adams is another guy who obviously has a ring on his finger. Don't know much about him, but we'll see. Again, as a third safety back there for depth purposes, can't be, can't go wrong with that. And then also we'll see with the improvements of Kayvon Wallace, this guy that we drafted uh, in the fifth round, I believe, two years ago. We'll see is he going to be a special teamer specifically, or can he you know continue to progress and become maybe a rotational safety in the back end? So the defense, I really don't think 
um, based on what we've talked about in the offseason, even last year, is going to be as bad as it was, of course, in 2020. Um, I don't think it's going to be necessarily a strength, but I think it could be middle of the pack, which uh, which would be acceptable from where we were. But the offense is really the question for me. Are we going to be able to put up points? Is Jalen Hurts going to be able to take a step forward? I still, outside of Devontae Smith, had so many question marks about our receiving core. Will Jalen Wager be able to take a step forward this year? Will Zach Ertz and that whole dramatic situation uh, resolve itself? Because you never want any headaches going into a season, even training camp. Will he uh, appear at training camp? Will he get traded before the season starts? That's some more headaches to have to deal with. And then you look at the offensive line with all those injuries. And, and if they can stay healthy, I'm, I'm you know pretty confident that they can be one of the top tier offensive lines in football again. But the question is, are they going to stay healthy? So there's just so many questions with the offense. And Tanner, you mentioned a good point too, the rotation of running backs. I mean, what the hell are we going to do there? There's like five guys I can get a touch here or there. I don't know how they're going to do it throughout a game. I mean, are they going to have Sanders rotate in and out are they going to have Sanders play first and second down bringing Gainwell bringing Scott I mean there's so many you know directions that they can go but from a defensive standpoint I kind of I, I do like where this team is at I don't think they're great but I, I I'm confident more or more confident than I was uh, a week or two ago I should say that's a good thing. yeah here's what I want to here's what I want to say back to the Deshaun Watson thing um, we we've already said so much we had a great segment last show if you didn't if you guys listening didn't hear that I suggest going back and listening to the last maybe 20 minutes of the episode but Good promo the Eagles push. are not the Eagles are not in a position to trade those first round picks because if they do swing Deshaun Watson you're gonna have Deshaun Watson back there. And then a year later, the offensive line retires, most of it. And you're going to have to start over with no first-round picks unless you swing another trade. And T mentioned it, building up from the draft. You already have Jalen Hurts. You want to see what he can do. You already have this young team now forming. Why not make it even more uh, full of youth and talent by just drafting players? I was a fan of Sean Watson. Now, I don't know if I can say that now um, because of um, off-the-field problems um, and, and stuff that he has to figure out, but he's a good player. And whether or not he – now, I'm pretty sure he is looking like he's going to play again. Uh, I don't even think he's going to be on the commissioner's list if this is figured out before preseason, I believe, because the commissioner's list is for regular season games. That's when it's, you start getting suspended from those regular season games. But I think the Eagles should stick, and I'm pretty sure we're all on the same boat here. The Eagles should stick with what they have and, and build off of what they have. And I think this team can turn into a talented team. We're already talking about the defense and how better the defense is. We have a good problem in having too many running backs. Um, that, that's always a good problem. But I think – just staying with what you have, Howie Roseman making those little changes and additions that he's been doing. I think this team's going to be in good position to be back to maybe playing some playoff football in the next two seasons. Yeah, real quick here. My last point on the Eagles segment before I turn it over to you guys to finish it out is Howie Roseman saying, and Tanner, you mentioned it, Howie Roseman getting once out of town, drafting Hurts in the second round, and now all of a sudden there's rumors that he doesn't want Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. He wants to go out there and get Deshaun Watson. I mean, what was the point of taking Jalen Hurts? And I, I mean, if, if you didn't believe in once, that's one thing. But now all of a sudden you got a shiny new toy in Deshaun Watson, and all of a sudden you want to turn around and stab Jalen Hurts in the back like that. Um, get you know in a training camp before you know your whole season starts up. 
I just don't think that's the right thing to do morally. And um, to do that to Jalen Hurts trying to lead this team, we talked about in the offseason, um, really trying to take over that leadership role as the quarterback one in Philadelphia. Now he's got to deal with uh, you know rumors behind his back about possibly getting Deshaun Watson. Again, Tanner, with the depth, and see, you said it as well, uh, with guys retiring, with you know things not working out. I mean, Steven Nelson, who knows? Injuries happen. Maybe he just sucks flat out. He's not the same player. You're going to need those first-round draft picks to go out and fill the void. Now, I like the fact we bring in Nelson. You move Matt and Maddox into the slot, but not only that, you take a lot of pressure off Zach McPherson, uh, the third-round or fourth-round draft pick that we were able to get uh, last year, and, and he's kind of moved back into the fourth or fifth spot on the depth chart, and he can really take his rookie year to really learn from these guys and step into his own and not have to be pushed into almost a starting role his first year in the league. So that's what I like about it. You're most um, solving multiple problems there with the one signing of the guy. But again, we need those picks just based on the fact that we don't know what's going to happen with Andre Dillard. Can he step into a starting role? Maybe we move my a lot of the other side if Lane Johnson's not the same or decides to call the end of his career. We don't know yet. I mean, he's been battled so many injuries. You don't know where these guys' heads are at. If he were to suffer another major injury with that ankle, he might just be pulling Andrew Luck and be like, you know what, I'm done. So there's definitely a lot of question marks going forward, which is why I don't think right now, even if you get to Sean Watson, it might win you division. But again, you know me, big picture guy looking to win a Super Bowl again. I don't think it'll get you there because you still have to compete with major, major talent with Green Bay, with Rodgers coming back. I know that's what we got to get to still. And, and Brady, of course, still there in Tampa Bay. There's just too many powerhouses to overcome. I really think you also probably next year are looking at another receiver in the first round, um, depending on what kind of steps these receivers on this team take. I mean, Travis Fulgham, that's another guy we haven't mentioned, Hightower. Are these guys going to be able to continue to progress and be NFL players, or are they practice squad guys that we're going to have to cut bait with eventually? We're not 100% sure yet. So I definitely think having those insurance policies with the picks is better than just going all in for Deshaun Watson. And that that alone, I didn't in that segment right there, I didn't mention anything about his off-the-field issues. I just mentioned the player in general. But right. to throw on top all the off-the-field issues, it's definitely not worth the risk in my opinion right now. And I agree with you, Max. You know, Jalen Hurts coming into, you know, this team already surrounded with controversy. Like, oh, my gosh, how's the team really feel about Carson Wentz? And, oh, my gosh, is this guy is this guy going to be the future starter? And Carson Wentz is really in question in the city. Like, he came in with controversy. All right. And then you get rid of Carson Wentz because apparently Carson Wentz can't take the controversy. And Jalen Hurts is – you. first off, you still haven't named Jalen Hurts officially the starter. No word has been said about that at all. So that's an issue right there. Now these rumors are coming out, you know, fast and furious about Jalen Hurts possibly being traded for Deshaun. What man, look, just let let's just see what Jalen Hurts can do this year. Then we will address next year how we will address next year. But for now, let's just see what we have in Jalen Hurts. Let's just relax. Listen, I understand we we're we're trying to stay competitive. We're trying to be playoff bound, and I but it, it, Max hit said something, and he hit it right on the head. I want another damn Super Bowl. All right, if I got to play the long game in order for me to get another Super Bowl, then so be it. Just let's just let's see what Jalen Hurts has. Let's see what these young receivers have, and then we can address those issues come next off season. We don't have to solve everything in this off season. Yeah agree with both of you guys and you know what i think's happening and this is just fully opinionated at this point but i think there's a struggle of power going on with the eagles organization mm -hmm. and you have jeffrey Lurie who going back to the chip kelly era where he demoted howie roseman in favor of chip kelly to make all those decisions it it backfired and howie roseman was standing back there like see i told you so i know everything 
and I'm the guy that needs to make these decisions. Now, Jeffrey Lurie is seeing these. Now he, he's afraid for that to happen again, um, to move on. That's why it was just Doug Peterson off, not both of them, when it, when it really should have just been both of them. Clean slate. Let's start over. Uh, bring new guys in. This is the perfect time to do so. You got a new head coach now, a new quarterback, uh, we think. Got, well, I mean, either way, there's going to be a new quarterback. But I think that Howie Roseman just keeps trying to prove himself. But in the way of doing so, he's kind of disproving himself too because you go ahead and you draft Jalen Hurts in the second round while you have a starting quarterback who was locked up in contract. And now that guy that you draft in the second round is now supposedly the starting quarterback, but you're not happy with him. So you're looking to trade up in the draft to get a quarterback. And now you're looking to trade uh, the Texans to get a, a quarterback who's going through a lot right now. Um, it's stupid. And through the NFL, it's just he's can't make up his mind. Howie Roseman cannot make up his mind, and it's hurting the team. Agree. I think one thing I want to mention real quick before we move on is the fact that with the whole Deshaun Watson rumors and things like that, you talk you talk about Wentz wanting to go to not not his home, but to where he was most comfortable. Obviously, with Frank Reich and now Jalen Hurts being from the Houston area, will that have any effect on Hurts being part of a trade? I don't think so, but it's just something to keep in mind because at the end of the day, if a trade's able to get worked out, I think you know Howie will pull the trigger as long as the off-the-field issues are resolved, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. So if I had to bet on it right now, I don't think the Eagles will make a trade for Deshaun Watson, but you never know with Howie Roseman. If those off-the-field issues go away or stay at civil cases and not criminal cases, I have to I have to think Howie would inquire about it, but maybe even go all the way as to pull the trigger. And, and oh, with no! That being said, I, I want to I go from Deshaun Watson, quarterback with off-the-field issues, to Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback off-the-field issues, of course, now I know I'm probably in a minority here about Aaron Rodgers because I like Aaron Rodgers. I think he's, I think he's got a personality that people only certain people get because it's like he doesn't come out social media wise and you know like Tom Brady like all you know everything off the field wise. But I think he has underlining meanings and things that he says and puts out there that you know you have to really think through and uh, kind of know how his personality works. And I think he's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. It's fun watching him play. I get the whole thing with what like. He got to the NFC Championship game. He wasn't able to beat Brady, so now he's going to go cry about it, and he wants out of Green Bay. I completely get that side of things, believe me. I I, I don't agree with that. I, I think you, you got to be a team player and to be a star of your franchise for 17, 16 seasons, whatever it is, got to be the face of the franchise. you got to be a leader. But at the end of the day, with him you know, causing all this drama in Green Bay with their you know, front office and now Devontae Adams at the time wanted out, but now he might be able to reconsider, he says, because Rodgers is coming back. To me, it sounds like Rodgers has all the power in the world, and even though he said that he probably wants out of Green Bay, of course there's conversations going on in the news lately that they had conversations maybe behind closed doors where if he agrees to come back in 2021, they'll grant his release or make something happen with a trade in 2022 because clearly nothing came to fruition on the trade market this offseason for Aaron Rodgers. And what's funny is that – the way he came into the league, especially the way he came into Green Bay, he's basically putting the organization through the same thing that Brett Favre did, his predecessor did. All right, if you, if every, if anybody remembers, all right, when Aaron Rodgers was drafted in the first round, Brett Favre threw the same tamper tantrum and won it out. 
All right. And now with Jordan Love being drafted in last year's NFL draft, now Aaron Rodgers wants out. Like, I just find that really ironic and funny that he's acting the same way. And I'm sorry, but dude, you're Aaron freaking Rodgers. What are you what are you scared about? I don't understand what uh, what's the issue. You you can go to that organization and tell them what you want, and for the most part, they will give it to you. You are in a really good position that most quarterbacks would die for. All right, you have a top five right receiver. All right, that you can throw to and on every down. Your running game is always decent. All right, your defense is usually top fifteen. You are in a prime position. What in the hell are you moaning about? Seriously. This is ridiculous. Okay, so you lost the NFC Championship. All right, well, let's get with the organization. Let's see what the hell you can do, you and organization can do, to get past the Buccaneers. That's it. I don't understand what the issue is. What is the real controversy? What is what? Aaron, what is Aaron Rodgers really upset about? What does Aaron Rodgers really want? Is he really worried about Jordan Love? Because let's be honest here. Jordan Love coming out, wasn't nobody worried about no Jordan Love. Nobody was worried. You shouldn't be worried about no Jordan Love. Jordan Love ain't taking over your team no time soon. So long as you're there, you're in freaking Rodgers. There's conversations of your name right now being floated around as the best quarterback to ever play the game. And you're worried about some some guy who's not even seen, hasn't even seen an NFL field yet? Come on, man. Grow up. All right, all right. Let's let us let's settle this down because, Max, you said you were the minority, and it looks like it's I'm ridiculous. the minority. Aaron Rodgers isn't being a crybaby. He's not throwing temper tantrums. He's as cool as can be. You saw him on the golf course with Tom Brady just talking, just avoiding questions. He just wants to enjoy this offseason. It's not a temper tantrum. He wants respect, and he deserves it. He's the best quarterback in the league, in my opinion. And Aaron Rodgers, the st- what he has done for this for the Green Bay Packers, amazing. The the accolades he's okay. built up. He's a talented player, and on and off the field, he's a great person. No doubt. Now this it is about money. It's not about where he wants to go. It's about the respect. He turned down a big contract from the Packers earlier, proving that this is not about money. It, you have um, the GM makes a decision and doesn't tell their starting quarterback, not just the starting quarterback, but the best one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and he doesn't run any anything by him after discussing that he would. It's it's simply about respect. And now Aaron Rodgers is going to have the opportunity to do a farewell tour. Uh, he can end end it off on a, a little bit of a better note with what? Packers fans on this last dance tour with it, with him and Devontae Adams. And it, it, that's what it is. It's not that he is being scared of Jordan Love because he's not. He said that he actually has a good relationship with Jordan Love. And, I mean, I don't even think Carson Wentz would be worried about Jordan Love at this point. Well, you know what? He probably would be. Uh, uh, I mean, he'd probably be worried about if it was just Nate Sudfeld behind him and not Nick Foles. (laughs) But Aaron Rodgers, obviously, I'm a huge fan of Aaron Rodgers. It's about the respect that he obviously deserves. And I had to throw this jersey on for him. You guys were disrespecting. You guys were disrespecting the game. And I, I had to wow. throw on the Packers jersey. Jesus, Tanner. Oh, okay. Uh, it's not. It's not. 
respect. How much more respect do you want? Dude, you're Aaron freaking Rodgers. The minute you say that you want something, that organization is going to move mountains in order for you to get it. No, that's okay. the problem. So, they yeah. haven't been doing that when he wants them to. They haven't, T. That's the biggest problem. But when I, he wants something done, they haven't been backing it up. And that's but okay, that's fine. But for the most part, they he's in a great situation. Also, from the organization standpoint of view, because Aaron Rodgers is what, 35, 36 now? 37. 30, even worse, 37. So the organization has to start thinking for the future. And Rodgers isn't going to be around forever. I got to start dra- I As an organization, we got to start looking out for our franchise. We're, we've always been a top 10 franchise throughout the NFL history. All right. And right now we have some great players. We're on a roll. We need to keep this going. So as a result, we need to figure out what we're going to do for the future at the quarterback position. This has nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers. This shouldn't concern Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers is our now, but we need to start looking for our future. So well, they got their future, too. It's going to be Jordan Love, and I think that's not – and, Tanner, you mentioned it. I know it's, it's all about respect, but, again, at some point you got to look in the mirror and say, hey, I got Devontae Adams, and then who the hell else do I have? I mean, he's literally making a superstar out of Robert Tunyon, who no one knew about in 2019. All of a sudden, in 2020, he's, like, top five tight end in football. I mean, he's turning these bums into like legit players. Alan Lazard, a bunch of low life. Two, three years ago, no one knew who Alan Lazard was. All of a sudden, Alan Lazard. Not, he's not. He's not a world beater, of course. And I don't like to mention that world word because he's a guy that he comes in and could be what goes from like a top ninety wide receiver in football to a top fifty wide receiver in football. So again, it's not. I, I get that, but again, when you look at the Jordan Love pick, I mean, that's kind of where it starts for me. I mean, you got to get a legitimate weapon with that first round pick and you take a quarterback Aaron Rodgers is like a Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be out of the league in two, three years. He's going to play till he can't go no more. And that's going to be in his, into his forties. He was just MVP. Exactly. He at the age of 37 the MVP. That's what I'm saying. I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. We'll see how this off season moves. We'll see how training camp moves. He's going to report, uh, Devontae Adams looking to get an extension. Now, that's a sticky situation because how far does Adams want the extension? Because we don't know how much further Rodgers is going to play in Green Bay after this year, if any. But again, at the end of the day, when you heard the rumors, there was no point in time for me where you hear like Denver Broncos. I can't picture who the hell wants to go. First of all, Denver, listen, offensively got a couple of guys who are decent, right? You got Cortland Sutton. I'm not going to harp on the Denver Broncos here. I just want to make a point. Noah Fant, they got some promising young players, Jerry Judy. But at the end of the day, does he really want to go to Denver, a team that really has to compete with the Chargers and Justin Herbert twice a year, Mahomes and the Chiefs twice a year? Probably not. And that was kind of really the main team that, you know, people were thinking, who needs a quarterback? Drew Locke's kind of done there. Uh, They're going to give up on him in Denver. But still, I mean, there's no better situation than for for Rodgers right now, in my opinion, than Green Bay. Now, next year, we'll see what happens if he wants out again and uh, what kind of trade pieces that the Packers can get. But at the end of the day, we'll see what happens this season. I think the Packers, now that Rodgers is back and Adams is happy again, they can probably still go to the NFC Championship game. I mean, I'm not going to bet against them at the end of the day. But with that being said, I got to transition now because we got to get to this Phillies trade deadline here as we get to be about halfway through the show and talk about not only what players the Phillies need, what positions the Phillies need, of course, but at the end of the day, this team right now, treading water, they're going back and forth around 500. Andrew McCutcheon has a huge home run last night when things Andrew were looking bleak. McCutcheon. We were down and out, and Andrew McCutcheon comes up huge for the Philadelphia Phillies and gets a walk-off three-run bomb. I mean, moves like that, hits like that, wins like that, really can push a front office to make moves that they were probably second-guessing themselves about. Now, all of a sudden, maybe the Phillies do go out there and get that bullpen arm that they were on the fence about. Maybe they do get out, go out there and get that center fielder that they were on the fence about. 
But right now, in my opinion, I think we need starting pitching most. I mean, I wasn't going to say that maybe two, three weeks ago when I, I would have said the bullpen. But now that Eflin's banged up with his knee injury, you have Velasquez, who is awful, inconsistent. You have Matt Moore, who, you know, a guy that we signed as a fifth starter. Now Chase Anderson gets hurt. He's moved up to the fourth spot. Spencer Howard exits with a blister injury and his his latest start the other night. So from my standpoint, after Wheeler and Nola, who, to be honest with you, had a great start over the weekend, but hasn't been that ace-like pitcher that we wanted, we need to give these guys support so we're not putting all that you know pressure on our bullpen to get you know five, six innings worth of outs. And also, not to mention the fact that Spencer Howard can't even go past three freaking innings. What starter pitcher do you know that can't go past three innings without his stuff changing? That's ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. And you're and you know what? I, I've been fighting with this. Which one is more important? Relief pitcher or starting pitcher? And Max, I gotta agree with you from the points that you pointed out. From the standpoint that if you have a decent starting pitcher that can at least go six, seven innings, all right, keep the runs down, keep the hits down, so that the relief pitchers, all they gotta do is just come in, pitch two, three innings, and get the hell out of the game with the win. That helps out the bullpen tremendously. I agree with you. They need to be looking for a starting pitcher. Now, I know the last time we talked about this, we talked about the potential of possibly calling Cole Hamels. Now, supposedly, I think he's not eligible. To, he's not supposed to come back until about September time with his injury. So that means that he's really, if you do want Cole Hamels back, you would have to be in a running for the playoffs. That'd be the only reason why you would sign a Cole Hamels. Yes. So you need to trade for a starting pitcher. Now, the question is, who do we trade? Who do we? I think who, who do we trade they, away? That's I the think question. one of one of one of the main things here is guys where you're looking at guys that you hopefully don't have to give up too many prospects for. You hope that you you're first of all the main thing for them is they probably don't want to go over that luxury tax that 210 million luxury tax. So they're going to look for guys on cheaper contracts. Tyler Anderson from the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's just a left-handed pitcher. He's been pretty decent this year overall. Are they going to look for a bigger fish than that? I've heard Michael Pineda has been a name from the Minnesota Twins, a guy that can kind of establish as a fourth or fifth guy in the rotation. Cole Hamels, of course, a guy that I think if you go out there and you can, you know, get a Michael Pineda or a, you know, a middle tier starting pitcher who's better than Mo- Matt Moore and Velasquez, I really don't think Spencer Howard's an answer in the rotation right now. He really should be in AAA. I think he was just brought up because they needed him with Eflin obviously getting hurt, and now that Eflin's banged up, I hope he's able to come back healthy. I expect him to. If he's able to slide back into that number three in the rotation, Nola is able to continue to pitch, you know, serviceably like what he did in his last start, even though. But that, obviously, that was better than serviceable. I mean, he pitched he pitched the lights out. But at the end of the day, if you're able to get you know and run out your rotation with Wheeler, Nola, Eflin, and then go out there and get like a Tyler Anderson and a Cole Hamels, you're looking. Uh, you're you're not you know you're not the worst or bottom half of the league in rotation ERA anymore. You can probably um, get up and maybe into the top 12, 13 teams in the league, hopefully, and uh, take some pressure off your offense. Because at the end of the day, how many Phillies games do we watch where it's in the fourth, fifth inning, and we still have zero. I think that's one of the things that Philly's got to get better at, and that's kind of where do you bring in the center fielder. I mean, that, and, and that's kind of where I want to ask you guys, like how deep do they go in towards being buyers? And, you know, one starting pitcher could lead to a bullpen guy, could lead to a center fielder. I mean, where does the trend, where does the amount of players run out when you become buyers for this team right now? Because the Braves are down and out with their injuries. The Mets are, you know, a team where they – Feels like they're they're probably have more depth right now than the Phillies, but it's not a team where they're going to run away with this division. I don't think. 
You know what? And that's a question that I still struggle with because, you know, I, I said before the season even started that I thought that the center fielder for the Philadelphia Phillies wasn't on this team, but they've made no kind of indication as to, you know, fix the center field position. So it's only so much you can do because we don't have that many prospects. All right. In our farm system, you really don't want to you don't want to trade away the bats that we have, because that's really our offense. And that's really the only reason why that this Phillies team is even in the discussion for even talking about playoffs. So it's you can't go but so far. That's why I say I, I agree with just if you can find a decent middle starting pitcher. Like you said, Max, just a decent middle starting pitcher. I think that would do wonders for this team, especially in the long term. Just find a decent starting pitcher that can help out this bullpen. Yeah, I'm on the same boat as UT and and Max, too. You guys, the Phillies really need to get that that extra, that addition piece to the starting rotation because what we have, what the Phillies have right now is on it's it can't be acceptable if you want to make a run to the playoffs. But the Phillies' problem is both that that the end of their starting rotation and closing. Closing hasn't been. I'm not going to say it. It's always an issue, but it hasn't been as bad uh, of an issue because now you have the starting the the four and five of the rotation is just noticeably bad and inconsistent. And when a team can't start off good with their pitching and also can't stay in the game with the relief pitchers and the closers, that's bad. You can't win either way. And the Phillies are still in a bad spot. We're still talking about pitching for this team. And the good thing that comes out of this is that Dombrowski says that the Phillies are going to be aggressive at this trade deadline. And that's due to how the Phillies ended the ended the um before the all-star break. The strong ending to that before the all-star break is the reason that th- these Phillies are going to be more active at the trade deadline. And also we're, we're, the way the game ended last night with uh, a walk-off, but cutching home run. Yep, and right. fi- finally, it feels yeah, good course. to be able to play this drop. Andrew McClutchin. Damn, it feels good to play that drop. Let me ask you guys this question, because we look here, uh, I have the names pulled up. Of course, you have Wheeler. Velasquez has been terrible. I just don't know. That, that's a question mark. Like, what do you do with Velasquez? If you go out there and get that middle-tier starting pitcher, and you get Chase Anderson, who was just activated off the IL, he's now a long relief in the bullpen. I don't know how long that will last. If the rotation continues to struggle, will Joe Girardi look to give Chase Anderson another shot at the rotation as a fifth guy? Maybe. I'm not so sure. But Velasquez is a guy, you you don't want him as your starter, but do you even want him in the bullpen? It's I, I guess that's where he would end up if you – I don't see how they can trade him. First of all, I don't know who you would even get for him. But this might only this might be one of those situations where what, what players do you have on the roster now that you could get something for or package in a trade for another guy, uh, whether that be a bullpen arm, whether that be a starter – I'm not 100% sure, but you're going to have to do something with guys like Velasquez and Moore and Spencer Howard. You can, of course, option him to the minors still. But overall, the bullpen, if Alvarado can just be a little bit more, you know, have a little more control, I should say, and throw strikes. I mean, listen, I was watching the Yankee series with the Phils a couple days ago. You have a role Chapman out there, big power lefty, throwing the ball 101 miles an hour. Guys are scared up there. I'm looking at players, and they're literally scared. First of all, one, it was thrown out their head a couple times, so they don't know where the ball's going. But also – down and out, you know, that wipeout slider. Alvarado, he's got 101 in his arm. If he can just locate the pitches, he would be a solid middle reliever. And also he's, Hector Neris, who we bashed on completely, he's oh actually God. been pretty solid in a middle relief role. I mean, he's 
he's done his part in a middle relief role. I think overall, Archie Bradley's what? had a pretty stellar season. These are guys where all of a sudden when you're in different spots, and of course, Ranger Suarez as well, I think the Phillies might need to go out and get a starting pitcher, one as the first priority, and the second priority should be a center fielder. And that's where we want to bring up the Starling Marte situation. I really, really, really hope the Phillies can go out there and get Starling Marte, uh, not only as a defensive presence, because we don't have to keep playing you know, rotational Odubel Herrera, Travis Jankowski, Luke Williams. We get a plug-and-play center fielder, plug-and-play bat in the middle of your lineup, spark the offense, score some runs, take pressure off your starting your starters in the bullpen. And if you're able to get that middle-tier guy that we mentioned, T, you take a lot. Obviously, you take pressure off the bullpen, not only that, but Ranger Suarez, like you also mentioned, of course, the closing and Tanner did as well, not have to put so much pressure on Ranger Suarez as your closer, um, who's been serviceable, pretty solid overall. I think he only has one blown save in his time as the closer. And all of a sudden, this team could be looking at you know a division win if they are able to go out there and get a legit bat and also go out there and get a legitimate starting pitcher because the bullpen, for how bad it's been, if you're able to get another starter and take pressure off of them and score more runs, it wouldn't be as bad as what we actually think it is, in my opinion. Because you're also another guy real quick, Sam Coonrod. Completely forgot about Sam Coonrod. He's working his way back from injury. He had at one point this year like a 1.90 ERA out of the bullpen before he got hurt. And hopefully he's able to come back this year out of the bullpen and uh, make his minor league rehab starts and progress towards becoming a legitimate option in the back of that bullpen. To answer your question, you really can't deal with anything with Vince Velasquez. Nobody's going to want really a Vince Velasquez on their squad because you don't know what the hell you're going to get out of Vince Velasquez. So I think he is better off just being in the bullpen and a guy that you could probably rely on for, you know, a long relief to be honest with you, because there's, I, I don't see a scenario where there's not where there's any other option for him. Like you might be able to involve him in a, in a trade package, but he's not really worth that much of anything to really be able to bring anything back of value in return. So that's my issue with that. It's eh, Starling Marte to get on the Starling Marte bandwagon. Come on. Hey, I'm well, hey man, three oh three batting average. Hey, hell yeah, I can I can respect the hell out of that. What you mean? I like it. She it it would be great to add him to the team, but you also are and these were some of these were mentioned points where you have the Marlins probably not open to trading Marte within the division. And then also they're gonna want a starter that is gonna be able to stay on the team for years and years to come. Uh with, with the trade. Give him Mickey Moniak. No one needs his bum ass on the team anymore. <laughs> if only it was that simple. Bunch of low lifes. Um, seriously, though, he's been super hot at AAA, getting hot at the right time. Maybe people are saying, you know, let me take a flyer on the former first overall pick. Who knows? Yeah, um, but again, we'll, uh, listen, next, this time next week, Tanner, we're going to be talking about either a Phillies trade or two. Maybe, you know, with, with how weak the schedule is coming up, we could be nearing first place or maybe, who knows, even overcome first place. Yeah, that's, yeah. Well, whoa, just whoa. maybe I can add something in to make it a little more positive. And the possibilities for uh, Starling would be the Phillies do have a prospect, um, Simon Muziati at center field. I, I think he was, what, top 12 or top 10 prospect. Mm. Could uh, maybe throw that in there as a trade and, and see if the Marlins do bite on that. Of course, it's an option. Uh, and I think now that we only have about 10 minutes left in the show, I, I do want to touch on real quick the NBA draft here. And the Sixers, of course, we brought up the trade with Ben Simmons completely this offseason. But the draft, fast approaching. I, you know, when you look up, you have all the advertisements for it. feels like a week ago, you're like, oh, wow, the NBA draft's only a week away. It's something that I usually look forward to every year. I guess the Sixers, just because they crushed me so badly, is something I didn't look, really look forward to. 
also because of we're so used to them having a the top five pick uh, back in those process years. Now all of a sudden we're picking in a 20, so it's not really that big of a deal. So real quick here, do you guys expect this pick in the 20s to be traded in a, in a Ben Simmons deal either this week, draft night, or is this something where maybe they just draft uh, or g- give up the pick for future compensation and kind of have a pretty easy night and just wipe their hands clean and continue to focus on the Ben Simmons trade? Is this draft really that important for the Sixers is what I mean? I don't see a scenario where they can pick somebody that's going to be of worth any value at 28. So, yeah, I think they are going to trade it away in some sort of a package for a player or you know, some sort of future compensation, because like I said, there's who are you going to pick up at 28. That's going to help your team out right now. Like this, we're talking about a championship contending team, all right? You're talking about a team that's really only one or two players away from being a real threat in the East. So no, no rookie coming in is going to be able to help you like that. Now the Tyrese Maxey was an exception. All right. Tyrese Maxey was actually raised some eyebrows this past season, but you're not going to pick anybody at 28. So your best bet is the pro I, I expect them to trade it away in some sort of package. Well, when that involved Ben Simmons, well, that's that remains to be seen. I don't think so, but I, I, I don't see them picking anybody up at 28 or at least if they do pick somebody up at 28, they're trading him away to another team. I'm so tired of hearing that this team is one or two pieces away from from making a run to the championship. We've been hearing that for years and years and years, T. Um, and it it's it's getting it, I'm tired of it because the Sixers are always just right there and something else has to happen. But for me, I don't think the Sixers are going to use I don't think they're going to draft a player at 28, but I do think they're going to draft a player in the first round. I think something's going to happen. Mm. And I think something crazy is going to happen um, on, on draft night. We're talking about a trade in um, a draft, or are you talking about a superstar on the move here? What do you think? I think it, it could be a mix of both, Max. I, I don't know. I think Maury's got something cooking. I mean, you have Ben Simmons, who has the Sixers calls on silent, apparently. Uh, <laughs> according to multiple sources, he's ghosting the 76ers, which is blasphemous because he's ghosting the Sixers. I mean, he was ghosting the the free throw line. I'm trying to at least. Um, But, I mean, Ben Simmons, what a problem he has become. Um, This, it's just the postseason. We thought he was a much better player. Um, We had Max and I stretching out our necks for this guy, Mm -hmm. trying to tell T he's going to be one of the best players in the league if he gets that blasphemous. But there's just so many more. And what's up with these players and, and like being soft in Philadelphia? You have Carson Wentz. Now you have Ben Simmons. It's like either way, you're going to the NBA. You can't be that soft of a Real player. Quick, before but I'm not saying he's a soft player. I'm saying it's it, it's something to do inside his head. And, and that's what I got to say about that. I, I, I agree with you. That's exactly where I was going before we shut this down to you is mentally. I don't think either of us tend to recognize that. We all thought, oh, man, as long as he can get in the gym, work hard, do his thing, improve his jump shot, oh, he'll be a, definitely be a better player. But I think we didn't really think, oh, wait, Ben Simmons mentally, does he have that will to do so? And it looks like he wants to go out there and vacation and spend more time with his girlfriend and things like that than actually getting better. And he just doesn't have the will. And not only that, but in a city like Philadelphia, that's not going to fly whatsoever. And the combination of that, it just it's it's going to just lead to a turmoil type of situation, and which thing- is where they are. It'll be over. Be- it'll be over soon, I promise. He'll, he'll be gone. I just don't know <laughs> what kind of trade package. The thing the Sixers have on their side is the more they wait, the more Damian Lillard rumors swirl. Bradley Beal now coming out saying he might request a trade. 
So from we go from maybe a Malcolm Brogdon or a Colin Sexton trade to maybe a bigger type deal. Who knows what's in the works? I think this pick 28 in the draft, depending on what the Sixers want to do, maybe they have to package Maxi and we get a guard there as a backup point guard, like how we do it. We got Maxi in the 20s last year. Maybe we get somebody in the 20s this year if we have to package Maxi, if we have to package Thibault in a trade. I think that's kind of where the question lies, and that's why the draft, at least for a Sixers fan, is worth watching. I hate to say I told you guys so, but um, yeah, I told you so. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, coddled athletes don't do don't make for good athletes. They just don't, especially in this city, unfortunately. So with all that being said, if you guys miss any of this episode, you can always go to Philly Dash Experience. That's simplecast.com, available on all major downloadable platforms: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the entire shebang. Oh, listen, fellas, I gotta I gotta issue before we before we get out of here. Um, I went into a store the other day and I already saw Christmas shit. Well, Christmas in I'll, July, T. You know how yeah. it is. No. Let me add to that. Let me add to that, T. Okay. Uh, Christmas in July, I mean, it's coming for me, too, because I'm going to, it's going to be the end of the July. I'm going to PNC Park to see the Phillies face off against the Pirates. So look for me behind nice. the Phillies dugout. Nice. I'm going to be looking forward to you, too. Here you go. Crap ass Vargas. Because that guy doesn't yeah. know what the hell he's doing. You dumbass. You make me sick. I'm here to tell you right now.